0: Hey guys and welcome to or back to the Pause and Pursuit podcast with your host Summer Clark. So happy Wednesday everyone. Um, Today I have a very exciting guest. I'm going to be talking to Nick Jones all about progressing your judging career in agility. Um, As you guys know I recently became a judge myself and went through that process so this conversation is going to be super helpful for all of you that want to get into judging. Um, and those that are already a judge and are looking to take the next steps Nick's going to be talking about her time judging at Crufts in the main arena um, judging the champ classes which is I'm so excited to hear about that because to me that is absolutely insane but yeah thank you so much to Nick for coming on and having this conversation with me and I hope you guys all find it really useful so let's get into the conversation I'm assuming everyone listening already knows who you are but for those who don't do you want to just introduce yourself what you do yeah, okay. So I'm Nick Jones. I'm um,
1: first and foremost an agility competitor. I'm also an agility judge. I'm also a Kennel Club Championship agility judge, and I'm a Kennel Club accredited trainer for agility judges.
0: Cool. All the things. Um, All <laughs> the So the first question is, how old were you when you started doing agility? And how many years have you been doing it for now?
1: Oh, it's very rude.
0: Is <laughs> is, isn't it? Very nosy. <laughs> 16
1: years. Also, just last week, really. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: which means I've agility 32 years this summer. Flipping heck. Wow. <laughs> so, yes, probably how many years before you were even born, Summer? Well, I'm 22 <laughs> this July, so you've been doing agility 10 years before I was born. <laughs> oh <great>. Wow. <laughs> and I turned 20 and Why? I thought I was getting old. <laughs> wow. I bet, I bet you've seen it change a lot in that time. Uh,
1: yeah, a heck of a lot. All yeah. The- for good, mostly for the good. Yes, ninety. Uh, yeah. percent I can't. I can't. Off the top of it, I can't think of anything that's been a bit. Well, maybe the emphasis is a, is not as it was. Um, things have become a lot more professional. Uh, understandably, uh, has that detracted for it? If you let it detract, I suppose.
0: Yes, um, very true. Uh
1: No, I think obviously safety and uh, everything like that. Definitely, very positive changes in those years. So we, when I started, we jumped at two foot six. Oh wow. Which, for those in old or new money, is something like seventy-five centimeters, I think. Oh my god! Yeah, and uh, I think they had a medium height. Uh, I wasn't that, I'm not quite old enough before they introduced small and medium. Yeah, they the different. It was called mini and midi, which was very confusing. Oh,
0: okay. They still use that some somewhere. Is it WAO? They use mini and midi or UKA or something? I, like
1: they, uh, yeah, so the ages which I like, so. was very confusing on the tannoy, Um and then, obviously, things heights got brought down to sixty five centimeters for the large dogs. Can't even remember when that was. Uh, and then, obviously, more recently, sixty centimeters.
0: And then the intermediate height—what two years ago, three years ago? Wow! So it's gone down fifteen centimeters then for large, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. And I got a f- that's like half a ruler. Yeah that much doesn't look that much wow it doesn't look that much but i bet it actually feels like it for the dogs 100 percent.
1: so yeah lots of changes uh, and i suppose practically logistically much much better um
0: yeah <laughs> yeah definitely so the next one is how old were you when you became a judge and how many years have you been judging for hey,
1: so i was first asked to judge in two thousand uh, 2001 Either 2000 or 2001. What does that make me? 25 or 26. Okay. And how many years does that make it? So that's
0: 2000. At least 22 years I've been judging. Oh, okay. (laughs) So you have Uh, been judging for my lifetime, yeah. Because I was born in 2001.
1: (laughs) Yep. Amazing. Uh, Yeah, Shrew's Big Dog Club, which was a kennel club club near me, asked me to judge at their May bank holiday show um, all those years ago. Wow. Has yep. there been
0: a lot changing? Has there been a lot of changes in judging then, as much as agility, from when you started, or is it pretty much all the same sort of rules and regulations?
1: Well, obviously, I mean, everybody updates themselves. with They just follow the new. Hopefully, they just follow the new rules and regulations. And obviously, course design has is another massive change. Yes, definitely. Be so, um, yeah. So, once you're out there, you kind of the same whether I'm back in two thousand or. Uh, when did I last judge? Oh, I judged a few weeks ago for, a, for an Inspire show. So, yeah, once you're out there, it's not really that different.
0: Yeah. I suppose you don't really notice it really, you know, over time, do you? It's when you look back, you kind of think, yeah. oh,
1: wow. Changes our course design. Um, but, you know, it's, it's following trend, uh using your piece knowledge. Yes. So we, we did it, what we and now hope.
0: Yeah, that's very true. So number three is, why did you want to become a judge? So what made you want to go from being a competitor to actually yeah. wanting to judge agility? There was a little bit of to it. Ooh, mm-hmm. they're,
1: they're big. Yes, um, yeah. Uh, was a little, um, I'll always do this, whatever, whatever hobby I get into, whatever thing I undertake. So when I was a hockey player, I became an umpire as well. I got my, did I get to my coaching? Yeah, I got some of my coaching qualifications. Um, So it just seemed the natural progression. Um, Back then, before any exams and whatnot, uh, you were just asked on invite. And once you got a little bit more known, maybe once you got a little bit more successful, Mm -hmm. people were able to ask you to judge. Ah, I see. So, yeah, I've never, oh, should I admit this? Uh, Maybe not. Yeah, no, I I haven't. I've recently sat my exam because you have to update it every five years. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I used to, I I was one of the group, we call it grandfather rights. So we were allowed to continue judging because it had been agreed to us before the new rule.
0: Oh, Oh, I see.
1: If you were judging before the rule came in that you have to do the exam, you were allowed to continue judging. Oh, okay everybody has to do the exam every 5 years to keep themselves updated.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, I see. So the exam hasn't always been there then. No. Nope.
1: Uh ah. when it came in, a good while. I mean, a good while ago probably.
0: When did I start teaching the thing? Is that theory yeah. or the practical as well? Just uh, the well, theory. The
1: pr- so the theory came in some time ago and the practical came in some time after that. Oh, I see. But, yeah. Okay.
0: Well, there was no exam. Oh, wow, okay. So it just kind of felt like a natural thing to do after you'd been competing for a absolutely. while. Absolutely. So yeah. people say they,
1: they want to give a lot back, which um, absolutely. Uh, people say when I teach the course, um, just to get a feel for it. You know, it's easy being a competitor. What's it like being a judge? Or well, it's one thing to be a competitor. What's it like to be a judge? So.
0: Yeah. Do you reckon judging's kind of given you a different perspective as far as being a handler goes? Like, Do you reckon your handling's improved or... You know have you you reckon it's it's affected your actual agility when you when you run
1: not when I run uh, because i I'm quite good at transferring so whatever hat I need to put on at the time, whether it's my competitor's hat, my judge's hat i I am quite good at putting mm. hats very separate um it does make me very uh defensive towards judges mm. on social media, whether I agree with that judge or not um there are ways and means of dealing with any issues that you have. So I do, I will leap on to any discussions that I feel are unfair on judges mm. because at the they're stood in the ring, they've given up their day so you can run around a field with your dog and jump through hoops.
0: Yes, this is very true. And I think a lot of people forget that often, like they're literally stood there from like 7am till 6pm, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah.
1: I get that you've travelled to the show as well as I, as the judge, have travelled to the show you're spending the day with your dog. I am not spending the day with my dog because yes. I'm judging feet,
0: And oh, yeah. you don't really get to sit down either, do you? <laughs> you can't go sit down in between runs. <laughs> it's,
1: not a, it's, it's, a,
0: it's a physical day. Yeah, 100%. Yep. But worth it. Yeah. So when's your first appointment? Mine is Dog Sports Derby on the 22nd of May. Yes, coming up soon. Yes, uh, so very I... exciting. Just wondering what am I doing
1: on the 22nd of May? Because Neil's <laughs> judging one, is it the day after?
0: Yes, yeah, I'm taking Arrow to that one, I'm running him. So I'll be judging the first day and then go in and competing the next day.
1: Okay, okay, I've got
0: lessons. Because oh, I'm no, doing no. one to three and then Neil's doing six, seven, I'm pretty sure it is.
1: No. So, so, yeah, that we'll find out. I mean, it's, as a youngster, a younger person, sorry, uh, it should be okay for you, but it, it can be quite tiring.
0: Yeah. When you get
1: used Mentally more so because it's easy, you know, it's not so hard to stand around and walk around for the day, but it is difficult to keep concentration for however many dogs. And I'll be honest, the lower grade dogs, I find it more tiring because they are more obscure in what they do.
0: Yes. Yeah, very true. And probably take longer as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Easy to judge higher grades. It was quite easy to umpire decent level hockey. It's it's quite difficult when you get lower grades, younger Mm. ages because they are more random.
0: Yes, yeah. I never really thought of that, but, yeah. I suppose it's just experience, isn't it, and, and getting used to it, and the more you do, the easier it becomes, but...
1: Very much like your driving test. You're yes. way past than you did before.
0: Yeah, 100%. So, number four is, how long does it take to become a judge?
1: Well, in theory, you could do it in a weekend. Um, so, you, have to, you literally just have to pass attend and pass so you, you sit your online exam uh the uh, practical test is over days day so in theory uh you could pass it in you know you could sit your exam on the friday night pass your exam on the sunday afternoon and be done um uh, i've never known anybody do it like that normal uh been in agility for a few years got a bit of experience under their belt um but you yeah, know literally logistically it can be that short which i know is hugely different to the fci the mm. fci Think you on a mentor scheme and an apprenticeship scheme. Oh, wow. Over, I think it is.
0: Wow. That's a long time. See, it my is. I took the theory and then it was a case of actually waiting for a judging it seminar that was near me on a weekend I wasn't already competing. So that's that's why it took me longer between the two, you know, because it's finding one that's actually available. But
1: Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's all, you know, how many, I don't, how many trainers are there? I think there's about 10 of us. 10 of us trainers but we're all of competitors as well so everybody's trying to find an available weekend mm. or available time to
0: uh be able to offer these seminars how experienced do you have to be to become a trainer then i'm assuming you have to have you know a judging trainer i'm assuming you have to have a like a decent amount of experience obviously
1: yeah i don't recall the actual uh what do you call it now uh job spec mm. I don't recall that but I think one of the things that got me, I I was able to demonstrate was my ability to teach. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Obviously, I'm a fully qualified uh, secondary school teacher. Um, And so for me, it was relatively straightforward to be able to deliver a short presentation on a section that they asked us to prepare for. Um, Yeah, so when, uh, because people just think, because this has come up recently about uh, measuring, uh so and so i've been in doing agility for 15 years i applied to be a measure and they've said no uh Mm -hmm. you have to jump through the little hoops that say do you match the job spec
0: yes yeah i've heard that recently yeah you're right about measuring it's not it's
1: not job spec but job prof, something like that but they want to see and and you have to be able to demonstrate and provide evidence of meeting certain competencies uh Uh, duration of competing and level of grade at which you're competing is not necessarily going to make you a good measurer and or a good judges trainer
0: yes yeah exactly because um, they're completely different tasks at the end of the day you know
1: absolutely i mean i don't even train dogs i don't train my own dogs i train people
0: yes absolutely yeah that's it uh,
1: i think people uh just experience and this is something that's going to probably come up
0: at another point during
1: this uh experience doesn't equate competence just because you've been doing it for 102
0: years <laughs> Yeah, you might have been doing it wrong for 102 years. So, <laughs> so
1: yeah, people uh, kind of forget that, you know, and it needs to be like that. It needs to be way more professional in its in its approach.
0: Yeah, definitely. So approximately how many judging appointments do you have per year? So this is one I was actually quite interested in as well, thinking how many, you know, as a a, a judge judging regularly, how many do you reckon you judge more than you compete or vice versa? Or, you know, how how consuming is it in in your average year?
1: Okay, it is very, it would be very easy to get overwhelmed and uh, accept lots of appointments, but you have to get a little bit disobeyed.
0: Um, you because know, I think of
1: Doc Doherty. I mean, he does practically want a weekend, bless him. And it, mm. it, but it worked for Judith, so that's fine. Uh, personally, I want to compete with my dogs, and I do way more competing than I do judging. Yes. Uh, this year, what the heck have I done? Obviously, I've done the four, well, three days at Crufts. Mm-hmm. Um, I then got dragged in and, and stepped in when my partner wasn't able to judge for Ruth the other week. Uh, I've got one show another and then I've got two more champ appointments two more champ appointments and another general appointment
0: Mm -hmm. okay so not like every single weekend or every other weekend or anything crazy
1: absolutely not I mean with our championship appointments we can't judge the same height within six months so they tend to be at least a few months apart if Uh, if you've got oh yeah but I'm quite careful about uh, because it it has in the past you've just accepted all all requests and then you end up Not meeting your own needs, so I'm quite good now at saying yes or no, and I tend to spread them out throughout the year.
0: Because it's well designing the courses for it as well is time consuming. So you'd probably spend (laughs) the majority of your week designing courses if you had one every weekend.
1: Yeah, so no, uh, I think, and I think it's better for competitors as well. I mean, no, no disrespect or anything to, to Doc. Love judging on his, I love competing on his courses, and he is very good at creating variety. But you will end up, you know everybody's a bit like they do in the breed show you know, everybody has a, a judge that sets a particular type or picks a particular type so mm. like i like the variety even if that variety doesn't suit me i still prefer it
0: yes yeah and do do you reckon there's more judges that well obviously that you know also do agility or have been doing agility for a long time than i know did, is it i think it's doc that doesn't compete does he just judges just judges i mean phil barber i don't see him compete much either mm. uh, seen him, you know,
1: when he posts his updates about perhaps some training he's done, Uh, but those are two people where you don't have to be in the thick of and and at the height of the event to be able to set a bloody good test.
0: Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it, I suppose, is like what, you know, through watching agility, you can, you know, get the gist of course design as well as just running it. Yeah, those
1: two both get it, um, which is difficult for people that don't get it, and that's where the emphasis is on us trainers to find out how we teach people that don't get it.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's but all yeah, about I, training I, the person.
1: It's to be a good judge.
0: Mm, yeah, that is very true, and I think something people don't often realise as well. Yeah. So, how long does it take you to design a course, and does experience speed up this process?
1: i have a little bit of a weird a little bit of a different approach to course design and i'm starting to get very comfortable with it because i've seen the outcome of it so Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually take me very long at all it did for likes of cross because there was way more criteria way more restrictions placed on it but i kind of if you imagine getting a whole set of kit throwing it up in the air and then wherever the heck anything lands uh i find a, a course through that
0: Yes, I remember you said that on the oh, seminar. Yeah. That was very intriguing.
1: I mean, obviously, you won't end up with tunnels under contacts if you did that literally. But so, I will base on my whichever app I'm using. I'll just go a bit click finger happy with the mouse and the, and the and just plonk pieces of kit on there. Then I'll put in some jumps, uh, and then I'll I'll think about I'll then start to look for a path through those to give me a, a course, and tweaking the odd thing if I think yeah that would be a good line. I just need to tweak the angle of that or something. Mm. So I it done relatively quickly Um, and I've got enough experience to know whether because I teach full time I've got enough experience to know whether certain sequences or certain combinations of obstacles in that placement will work so
0: yes and I suppose when you train as well like train people um, you're setting courses randomly and quite spontaneously when you're doing that as well so
1: but then that does bring because so one of the best course designers that i've ever worked with is is jaco uh, from finland his courses are unreal uh they look brilliant they run brilliant but then when you look through them you realize you actually couldn't
0: judge them ah uh, yes yeah and so that's why judging path up, we have to look at don't we yeah it's
1: very yeah. easy to build a train on it's very easy to build a course that challenges the dogs and challenges the handlers But then when you add in the other restrictions, such as, well, can you actually judge it? Mm. Then I so don't stand on the sidelines saying, well, it would be better if this,
0: that and the other, because there's way more than what the dog's path is that you have Mm. to take into it. And that's that's definitely something that when before I did the seminar, I never thought about like where, you know, being able to see contacts and then get to the next one in time, you know, beat the dog to it and stuff like that. That is something I didn't realise. Yeah.
1: And I think that's where a lot of people who've come and done the seminar and then who have actually judged suddenly go, oh, actually, yeah, it's not as easy as it
0: looks. Mm, yes, definitely. Building a
1: course to train on is relatively simple. Uh, building a brilliant course to train on is still relatively simple if you've got the competence and the experience. But then, when, and I've done it myself, and I've been through all my uh, teaching courses, I'll go, well, could I judge that one? Uh, nope. Could I judge that one? Nope. Yeah. Uh, it, probably only 50% of my course. It wouldn't take me much to tweak... Mhm. To be able to judge on them, but at first glance, no. A lot of my teaching courses you wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to judge on them.
0: Yeah, because course design takes me quite a while at the moment. Because I literally start like I put the number one jump in, and then like do it in order, and then you know you f- you realise you've left a little gap or something like that, yeah. and it does take quite a while.
1: Everybody will have different ideas or different methods. Uh, what I will suggest to people is try other methods just to see. All mm. right. So when I was t- and the students would say, oh, but I, I tried this when I was revising. Uh, so, well, have you tried doing it like this? No. Well, give it a go because actually something, another method might suit you. Or a combination, a fusion of two methods might be the answer.
0: Yeah, that's but it. Yeah. It will get, hopefully it will get easier as time goes on and experience goes on. Yeah. I mean, I was never good at re- very good at revising at school, so I'm glad I'm at least a little bit better at course design. <laughs> yep. Never my strongest point. <laughs> so... Also, another thing I found is easier. Like, for example, Dog Sports Derby, when I was making my courses, obviously, you want to keep the contacts in the same place for the second agility. So, it took me forever to make the first agility course, but then the next two, even the jump in, it was quite easy because I was like, well, I'm going to try and keep the obstacles in the same place. So, it's more a case of tweaking the numbers. Yeah. So, that is something yeah. that I was like, oh, this is nice. <laughs>
1: the testing of courses, I suppose, has been a big change in uh, for judges. Um, over the last few years post-Covid. You know, before Covid, when life was normal, we might only get two or three classes in a ring and now you can end up, or two or three classes in a day, and now I think I've ended up with about six or seven.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a lot.
1: Yeah, and whether it will settle back down to what it used to be, I don't know, but at the moment it's a little, that's another challenge because you are not going to be very popular with the ring party or yourself because you're going to be out there for longer if you want
0: to massively change each course yeah exactly and the contacts as well no one wants to carry an a-frame halfway across the ring <laughs>
1: uh, and also you start to impact on the competitors because you can guarantee there'll be one competitor who's in the first class in your ring and then because you're doing these massive changes isn't going to be stuck there till six eight o'clock if they want to run the
0: second class in your the second their second run in your ring which is yeah. at the end so as far as ring party goes this is just a little extra question i've just yeah. thought of Do shows usually provide ring party or have you got to the point now where you kind of have people that always ring party for you, you know, where they can? Uh,
1: No, uh, because they all go and do their own thing, which Mm. is fine. So sometimes I'll be able to bring a scribe, particularly some of my champ classes. You know, I I often quite often get people volunteering to scribe for me. Uh, But regards to the rest of the ring party, no. I don't know. That's on the ju- that's on the show to provide that.
0: Yeah, because that's something I was thinking. I was like, oh, do I have to like ask around and find like what five people to help me? But uh, no.
1: Of, you could if you, and as long as you, the, they'll ask you, and if you just say no, can't do, can't do, you can literally just turn up as your own self. The rest of the uh, ring is up to the show to
0: to provide. Yeah, that's good. takes takes a lot of the stress off, I suppose. Yeah,
1: anything you do provide, obviously, is much appreciated and helps the club, but. Uh, no, you're not expected to do anything like that. Literally just turn up with your plans and judge for the day.
0: Yeah, nice and straightforward. So talking of course design then, so what is okay. the most important aspect of course design in your opinion? Safety. Yes. Okay. So I have the
1: thing that if you as a judge have set something that requires the handler to do X, Y, Z, and then it's safe, then that course is not safe. Mm. Yes. If you want to challenge a handler and make them do something that you want to see, that's absolutely fine. But the fallout for that handler not doing it is that the dog is faulted or eliminated. It's not injured.
0: Yes. On con- yeah.
1: Yeah. Any- tax, But yeah. So yeah. absolutely safety uh, for the dog. Safety for the handler as well. Uh, you know, sometimes I build something and realise, no, they're going to take their head off on the seesaw. Mm. On- so that has to change. But yeah, absolutely safety. And then after that, I suppose you look at the so, most important aspect, definitely safety, uh, suitability, as we call it. Mm, for know, the grades. The grade and the challenge.
0: Um, and so, the yeah. height, I suppose, would you say as well? Like, I think, did you say, you know, set it for, set it for large dogs first because their, you know, yeah. their so, strides I, are bigger and stuff like that?
1: I need the Norwegian lady who, who Laura had over at Dog Sports a few months ago, um, she spoke to my partner. So my partner's got a a brilliant large. He's not he's not a large Malley, but he's obviously a large dog compared mm-hmm. to Collies. Uh, and Kiney says if she sees a large Malley or fast Malley go around the course and it looks comfortable for him, then she knows she's done a good job.
0: Yes, yeah,
1: and I quite like that approach. Thinking, yeah, that would be that would work. Mm-hmm. Obviously, smaller dogs will turn tighter usually. Um, so, if you're using turns to get onto set so contact, then you'd have to adjust it. You know, for the smaller dogs and/or whichever one you started up, like, you need to make adjustments. But spaces in between the rings, in between the obstacles, uh, no, I tend to keep it in about
0: seven metres. Mm-hmm. Do you ever find you have to adjust it between heights a lot at shows, or do you usually manage to just keep it exactly the same and just, just change the height?
1: I can usually just change the height. But yeah. I'm, I'm more than happy to make a tweak if I think, yeah, actually, I just need to kick that out a bit further or swing this in a bit closer. Mm. And I, uh, I saw Ryan do that, at, Ryan Hennessy do that at Iconics last year. I thought it was blinking brilliant. Yeah, uh, First class, or whichever class it was, the the positioning of the jump just didn't quite get them where he wanted them to go. And as soon as that class, it wasn't dangerous, absolutely. You know, it was just a little bit uh, ugly, I suppose you call it. Mm. But as as the class was finished, he tweaked it brilliant loved yeah.
0: it yeah and i suppose you often don't really know how it's going to run until you see it so after the first class you know you get a, a way better idea of actually how the um, dogs are going to run
1: if you haven't got enough experience then you should be testing out some things if you've got the ability to do so uh i mean like i said i've got enough experience and the way that my mind works so i'm quite good at once i see something in on paper or on the script i can replicate that for my you know for the 3d and my uh, yeah uh it on the ground as such to know that it
0: no it won't work i suppose that's another thing um you know how different would you say the your courses often actually lay out in in the real world as as opposed to paper you know do they do they actually end up being uh, quite different or
1: they have historically definitely and then uh amanda uh talked through uh coordinates to build a course and now they're getting way more read closer to their paper than they are than oh they used okay
0: to. yeah Uh, is it smarter smarter agility you use for your courses I yeah Um, it
1: is clean run but then uh clean run died when it one of the max up to the max updated their operating system and i never upgraded my clean run and then smarter agility came along and and like everything you just have to take a little bit of time to get used to it yeah i do much prefer uh smarter although smarter and clean run need to sort out their dog's path Because dogs will not naturally square up to jumps.
0: Yes, yeah. I mean, you can like adjust the path, can't you? You can like change the lines, but I suppose some people might not realise you can do that.
1: (laughs) And and then they get this misconception that, well, the path on the app looks good, so I'm assuming it's going to be that in real life. And we'll talk about it in the seminar. Yeah. uh, it is, there is a thought that it is responsible for some bad lines because people don't appreciate that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I used a random, I can't even remember what it was, to make my courses for the seminar, and it was quite hard work. But then I was like, oh, Smarter Agility exists, and it is a lot it, I do find it a lot easier, but.
1: Now that I know how it works, like everything, once you get used to a new app,
0: mm.
1: underage, you, 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 you used to use the old version. So,
0: yeah, I like Smarter. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. Someone said that they loved your facial expressions at Crofts and want <laughs> to know how does it feel to judge at the world's biggest dog show?
1: It was scary as hell.
0: Yes <laughs> I can I, imagine
1: I can say I enjoyed it after the event after the event, and there was a I mean I wasn't disliking it and I wasn't um, wishing I wasn't there, but it was definitely stressful mm. I can imagine. Not so much the TV and that didn't really bother me so much. But just this idea that, you know, we all know how much pe- effort people put into things. And if I cock it up when I'm running my own dog, that's only me and my dog that were affected. Mm. Made a mistake in my course plan or if I'm on course design or if I've made a mistake in judging, then that's somebody else that I've affected and they've gone an awful long way to get to where they are. Yeah. So uh, very scary, but enjoyable and very satisfying to come through it.
0: Yes. So it's mainly, it wasn't really, you know, being on TV and all the audience that was scary. It was, you know, wanting to build the best course.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Once mm. you,
0: It's like so many
1: things in life, um, and I hope competitors find this, once you get on the start line, no matter where the hell you are, it's exactly the same.
0: Yeah, you know, you don't think re- about anything else, do you?
1: Exactly that. Um, and I've competed, like many of us, I've competed all over. And once you're on that, you know, you set up for the first jump, you could be anywhere. Mm. And I think the same could judge you. Once you get the flow going, it doesn't matter Yeah, for me. I know other people who affected like that, so yeah, very true. So, yeah.
0: how how long did it take? How many years of cross have you judged
1: at? So I did the juniors or YKC in two thousand mm-hmm. and nineteen. We were meant to do. So my original appointment was twenty twenty one. Obviously, things all got. What happened in that year? Yeah, that was the one. that was originally postponed to the July, mm-hmm. and then all together, and then just you know. didn't happen. <laughs> So then, uh, my appointment got carried forward, and I think all, both of us, all three of us—so myself, Gary, and Rob—we mm-hmm. uh, just, it just all carried forward to twenty twenty-three.
0: I was just um, thinking, I'll have, I'll have been competing in, uh, in the YKC ring in twenty nineteen. It
1: was a long time the,
0: ago, uh, but it will be with yeah. Ethel, yeah. Yeah, Terry. Yeah. I don't remember. Remember some individuals. Um,
1: so don't be offended by it, but I, I remember <laughs> some individuals in a in a good way because of some things that I heard afterwards. So, mm. um, yeah, so it, it does, it, the process is long. So, I, and I've already got a, a prestigious appointment for, what
0: year is it? 2025. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Oh, yeah. no. Well, that's that how, see, that sounds like such a long time away, but it's not, is it? <laughs> it's only two years. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: in advance, the Kennel Club have to make these arrangements for their prestigious events.
0: Oh, Okay. So the next one is, what is your dream show to judge at or class to judge? So obviously, I, I reckon for most people it is Crufts, but you've already done that. So what if you could yeah. judge at one show or, or just one class even at a show, what would you love to do?
1: I'd quite like to go and do Westminster in the US. So that Westminster is the US version of, um, what were to talk about? Crufts. Ah, okay. The American Kennel Club, have their, they call it Westminster. It's in New York. Mm-hmm. Just because the Americans are a bit mad. And it's all very glitzy and glamoury. Yes, yeah. Uh, we have I think Andrew Dickers is he doing it again this year? He certainly has done it in the past. Steve Croxford's done it in the past. Uh but yeah, just for the kind of showbiz type um feel of that one. Not that I mean Crufts is showbizy, but it's British showbiz and American showbiz are two very different things.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I yeah, can imagine the atmosphere.
1: I, <laughs> yeah. Um, um do I want to do some of the big events?
0: Possibly. Is there any classes like I'm assuming you've already? I mean, you already do champ and uh, Olympias, so, I suppose.
1: I, I do stay away from any um, obscure things, so I don't do snooker or gamblers because I struggle enough as a competitor to do those courses. So oh God, yeah, like <laughs> judge them. Uh, I did do time fault now, but that's kind of a way more straightforward games type class. Mm-hmm. Um, I like all classes uh, and I like all grades. Uh, so although I get asked to do champ when I doing a normal show as it were i do ask if i can do the lower grade classes because that's the hardest one to set the course for and i think they're the ones that need the biggest help
0: yeah definitely and i bet most people think the higher grades are the hardest ones to set for and judge but it's often not the case no not
1: at all well that's not my experience Mm. Um, dismiss anybody else's views you know they tend it tends to be the decisions you have to make are way more obvious you know they They give you it's a a good contact or it's not a good contact. Mm. The random things they do is rare, um, whereas lower grades, everything that can happen will happen. Yeah, Uh, it's exactly the same. um, In when I was umpiring hockey, you know, you had twenty two kids around the ball, and you hadn't got a clue what was going on. Yeah, as but lower grades, you have to be a bit more careful for sportsmanship. Mm -hmm. So, umpiring higher the higher level hockey it was all about deliberate fouls and things like that. And I am aware of some deliberate actions that I would be looking for in the higher grades in agility.
0: Yes, yes, very true. So back to...
1: Naive lower grade handlers who haven't yet got cynical and wise to the rule.
0: (laughs) But easier in that respect. Very true, Yeah. So back to the um, just quickly the Westminster are the rules because yeah. I've have ne- absolutely never looked into like agility in other countries. Obviously, I've been to EoJ, but I've never thought you know the is everything the same then as far as like rules and rules and regs for agility and judging give or take yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, oh god, which so America has what do they call it?
1: They call it a venue, I think. Mm-hmm. By that they mean organisation. Okay, uh, they've got about four or five of them, and some of them do so. UKI is. America's version of UKA, so we know those rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one I can't remember which which Lincoln association I was running under, but they have some obscure rules, uh, so you just have to really read up. Yeah. But,
0: uh,
1: but the kind of probably eighty percent of the rules are the same.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, we all run the same courses at like EO and stuff like that, so it's, it's got to be around. It's got to be around the same, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, and my course design wouldn't necessarily alter greatly for another organisation's event.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So do you still feel nervous before a judging appointment? So you already said that Crufts was scary, but, like, in general, do you do you still get that sort of nerves? A, a little
1: bit, because even though I've planned my judges route, mm-hmm. until you've done about half a dozen or tens or so dogs, it's not yet settled, so I just... Until I'm comfortable with it and comfortable where I'm positioning and what I making sure I can see, mm-hmm. then the little bit of tension, I suppose. Not necessarily nerves, but just a little bit of tension until that settles and then rest of the day crack on.
0: Yeah. I mean like when uh, I did the seminar in the in the practical exam, the first few I was sort of more uneasy and then I was like, Oh no, this is actually all right and then you really get into it and then I was thinking, Oh, I could do like thirty more <laughs>
1: It's a bit like warming up, isn't it? You could do with a few dogs that don't, don't you know? NFC runs almost to warm up, yeah. on and then go in with the actual competitive dogs. But
0: yeah, I suppose then you, as well. After a few dogs, you're like you said, your judging path is like confirmed. You're like, yep, I can definitely see everything. I'll, I'll keep doing that, yeah. and it'll be fine. Yeah. Really? yeah, that's nice to know that there is still a little bit of that, though. You know, for for everyone, no matter uh, the level. I'm still a bit more nervous at if I'm doing a, a big appointment. Mm. Uh, people a qualify
1: or something, because the handlers are going to be a little bit more nervous and there's, you know, there's a little bit more resting on the outcome, Yeah, yeah. But then, we don't know what people are going through, so somebody who's just returned from major injury themselves or major life event themselves, mm. rate for jumping class can be as nerve-wracking for them, so...
0: Yeah, I suppose, yeah. I guess you feel like there's less room for error in sort of like maybe champ and stuff like that and qualifiers uh There's more if
1: there's probably there's there's a greater fallout for error.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's very true. So, yeah. talking of errors, have you ever made a judging error? And if so, how did you deal with it? Absolutely, I've
1: made errors. Mm. Um, but it says they haven't, is lying. Yes. Uh, so, yeah because we we're all blinking human, I've done it on a hockey pitch, blew my whistle, put my arms up, and then I had to two teams and my opposing umpire looking at me questionably because I'd got the wrong arm. on. Oh, no. (laughs) Absolutely. So as soon as I realise I've made the error, I'll I'll rectify it and I will also check in uh, with the scribe to make sure they picked up that clarification. And if I feel so, if I've given you a fault and you've realised that fault, you might well have changed your handling afterwards.
0: Yes, yeah, true.
1: And then I will approach the handler and also offer them a ribbon.
0: Mm. Yeah, because often people, and I've done it, you know, where if you know you get... A fault or eliminated you kind of go into training mode in a way don't you with your handling you're less careful
1: so yeah so if i feel that that could have influenced the handler then i will give them an opportunity to rerun that yeah and you know, take a beef at me making an error well that's on that's there, up to them i'm not yeah. gonna uh, you know i'm human i've made an error i've done my best to rectify it you
0: know deal with that yeah so um, you know you're gi- you're giving them the best case scenario really, and then and then everything else I suppose is is out of your hands is is how you think about it.
1: Expecting perfection, then unfortunately they they're not going to get that.
0: Yeah, very true. I suppose t- think having that mindset and taking the pressure off yourself is is a way to deal with it before it's even happened really as yeah. well.
1: Obviously, I'm doing my best not to have the errors in the first place, but we are human. Uh, I will apologise and I'll move on, and
0: if hopefully they can too. But do you reckon? Always- it happened more when you were sort of newer to judging 'cause, you know, mistakes are more frequent for newer judges or Possibly, around the same. Yeah. I mean
1: mm. it's been that long ago, I can't
0: remember exactly. Yeah, true. Uh, I can remember
1: certainly uh, you know, a couple of ones I I probably use them as examples on the seminar, so I docked a dog on his contact, a few dogs later, dog I've I i did not dock it on his contact, but then I thought, hang on a minute, I'm sure that was in exactly the same place as the previous dog that I faulted. Oh. I called that person back and said, "Look, do you want a rerun, or do you want me to just take the faults off?" Um, I think that's what I offered. Um, yeah, and she was happy with that because I know she would have—it would have affected her handling once she realised she'd been faulted on the dog walk.
0: Yeah. So it's just having and, that awareness into, it, I suppose. Yeah, and being able to be
1: and being and wanting to do something about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Instead yeah. of just brushing it off.
1: Yeah. Somebody once told me. A very wise hockey coach once told me, "It's not the mistake you make; it's what you do afterwards that counts." Yes,
0: yeah, I agree Obviously. with that. Oh, I've made
1: the same mistake
0: twice because I was daft. Yeah. And I remember at KCI, um, I think I've had this happen to me like twice, I think, with Arrow, but at KCI, um, I was eliminated even though it was a, you know, it was a clear. Um But what I didn't realise at the time was that judges aren't allowed to watch video footage or they're not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're not meant to. So I was trying to get this judge to watch my video, and she was like, no, 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 no. And then but at the time I thought, why not? Do you know what I mean? But then now, obviously, I know the rules of it. I, I'm like, oh, she literally couldn't. <laughs> yeah, no. She, so we, we we don't, and also, and
1: you know, um, I want to swear, but I can't swear. Something stuff happens, and you know, and for as many times as you've got uh, been faulted for something, you'll have got away with it equally.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Swings and roundabouts. Yep. Yeah. So. yeah, no, that's very true, and as well on that day it was very hot and a very long day so you know potentially that may have you know caught ca- yeah. ca- caused that error but yeah i suppose as well with video footage like not everyone gets their runs filmed so True. it's kind and of also
1: but if people are trying to use a video to to highlight a contact that was wrongly judged then mm. nonsense you know the videos at a different angle Video. It's very easy to watch back on a video and slow it down, and we've seen this a few times on Facebook. You know, they've, they've put the video up and then they've taken a, a screenshot and when they've paused the video, and of course we can see the dog's foot touching the contact. Yeah. Uh, in reality, you know, who's to say the judge didn't blink at that moment? For yeah, exactly.
0: Sake. Unfortunately, uh, we don't have slow mo uh, vision, yeah.
1: so. <laughs> I don't know that I want, you know, a bit like VAR in football. I don't know that I want it. I think the human element of judging is part of the sport.
0: Yeah, yeah. It sort of turns it a bit mechanical and, and forced yeah. almost, doesn't it? Up there, just... Do you reckon that'll ever be a thing in agility?
1: <laughs> um, if we could ever get the technology good enough. Um, so even things like at the moment. So the, the, light, the, the start and finish timers, you know... It was pointed out that the thousandth of a second is actually a random number because we don't have There not the accuracy on the equipment
0: oh.
1: the to be able to make that thousandth number uh, uh, valid, but the cost of the technology is prohibitive. Yes, yeah, okay. that's very it, true. Um, why can't we have this? Why can't we have that? Because it costs a fortune. Yeah, where are they going to get the money? And then when you start up to the t- rings that you need for an event, yeah, yeah come from.
0: Especially KCR where you've got like sixteen rings. <laughs> yeah. So um, one of the
1: about the UK agility hugely inc- relative, inex inexpensive. So you know, um, what are we paying? Five a quid a class. God, that sounds awful. I don't know. Don't know. Now that it's, everything's online, something um, like that. It's about four fifty five pound a class, and you know, so you're. It that is accessible to a big amount of people. So when yeah. I've competed in the US, my entries for a weekend's competition, all right, it was over three days, but I still didn't enter every event. Uh, and I had two dogs and my entry fees were $400. Wow. So yeah, it's it, not a cheap hobby. <laughs> it, uh, and then, whereas we are massively accessible and inclusive
0: here. Yeah, definitely. Which way to go. I usually don't like to look too much into how much a show is. I'm just like, well, I want to do it. So I'm just going to press enter. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in the days when you used to have to write a cheque,
1: like, we were a bit more aware, but now it's just click and it's gone and the money's gone out of your account.
0: Yeah, Scary. Yeah. So what makes a good judge, in your opinion? So if you had the perfect, or well, I won't say perfect, if you had, you know, a good judge in front of you, what qualities would you be looking for whilst judging? Uh, so what
1: makes a good judge, that's a good question, what makes a good hmm. judge who is up to date? Mm-hmm somebody so i don't like judges that set traps i don't okay. want to trap i don't want to see anybody fail mm. but i so I, I like to think of it as like i want to give somebody people the opportunity to impress and to shine yeah um, so i i've i do not go in it with them well this will get the so-and-so dogs and this will get the long striding dogs no not at all um so somebody who keeps themselves up to date obviously they have to be uh knowledgeable in their rules
0: um What makes it? It's a hard one, isn't it? Because there's so many things.
1: uh, I mean, what? Think about good. I won't mention any names, but so what do I like about this person? Um, So they're very approachable. um, They've got great ideas on course design. I've seen this person set a course. uh, The first few dogs ran it. Realized the line onto I think it was the A frame wasn't great. Stopped the class. Changed it. Adjusted it. So is humble enough to do that. Yes. Yes in judges imagine we have some humility in handlers and mm. chicken and egg scenario which one's going to come first Definitely. Um, yeah humility and uh, openness I think yeah so I'm, I've got this one like I said I can visualise this one judge um, very polite very engaging um, yeah another but thing as, as well just quick very, oh sorry uh, they're up to date and quite modern on their course design
0: Mm.
1: uh, by spite their relative lack of experience in competition.
0: So as well, this is something we touched on um, at the seminar, and I can never say the word properly, but judging etiquette. So how, you know, so sort of like um, how the judge presents themselves, how they dress (laughs) and stuff like that. I think a lot of the time people, again, we spoke about in the seminar, like dress code and stuff like that. Like how important do you think all of that side of it is uh
1: i do believe it's quite important uh due to human psychology and i don't think so i think at that seminar i discussed so my partner is an occupational psychologist uh so what is the psychology what's the science behind why you are why it is better to judge uh, to dress smartly in certain occasions um and i think the kind of thing i took from our conversation was we don't have relationships with all the competitors yes There's no, yeah, so you don't know my expectations. I don't know your expectations. I don't have relationships with my students when I start teaching them in September. Um, so I want to give an impression of someone who is competent, uh, competent uh, who has made an effort, who is professional. Yeah, first impressions, um, isn't it, really? That, I mean, get to know, So once my students in college know me, they relax a little bit in my, you know, I'll, I'll maybe start wearing jeans as opposed to smart trousers, um, You've already established
0: yourself then, I suppose. It,
1: it, it have that, we have that, relate, that working relationship between us, but you don't have that in agility. Mm. You have it with also my, you know, so I, at a club I could go along and I could be wearing my scruffy shoes and all my usual and people, I know people, they know me and we have enough respect for each other without the need for appearances. But yes. on a judging day, you don't have that and I think it, therefore it's, it's incredibly important that you demonstrate your professionalism and that start not just starts with your course design. of course dress code doesn't really affect your ability to judge that's Mm -hmm. i'm wearing skirts and
0: high heels on a practical (laughs) level yeah (laughs) i suppose you don't want to be running over to the contacts like that do you
1: whether i'm wearing jeans or or smart trousers does not change my actual judging on the day and it certainly doesn't change my course design but it is about setting that impression um and showing the handler's respect Mm. um for what they they've come into the ring to do.
0: But even though you've been judging for a while, obviously you still you know you still do that. You still dress yeah. appropriately I, and stuff. I was at my very last
1: appointment, which was a standing at Inspire a few weeks ago. Yes, I was in tracksuit bottom. Yes, I was in trainers because I found out I was judging at six am that morning. Oh no! <laughs> uh, what did we do? A hotel, so there was no chance. And so these things happen. But no, had I on a normal appointment, I will have uh, much uh, something that I wouldn't wear casually at home so yeah. a nice top trousers I might have to wear my, my Salomons depending on the weather conditions um, but yeah
0: I suppose that's, that's another one if it's like chucking it down with rain or something then you're going to be in your dry robe and that's just how it is
1: because <laughs> I, oh, I don't own one oh no <laughs> if, I, if I waterproof that I'll be in my waterproof from head to toe and you won't recognise me from any of the other competitors out there
0: yeah uh, but so. you're doing your job in that horrible weather so respect exactly <laughs> I need to go shopping then because I live in agility clothes.
1: <laughs> well, that's one thing I, liked, I did like about enjoy about Crufts. It was, a, I mean, I do, I do dress, but, you know, I actually went out and bought clothes for Crufts. Um, and it was, it was nice to do because, te- you know, as you say, I teach full time. Uh, I'm in my Scruffs 24-7 and it's quite nice to get dressed up occasionally.
0: Yeah, bit of a change, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so the next one is, what is your favourite thing about judging? Um, the variety of people you get in your ring. Yes. Mm. take find out things afterwards. So, uh,
1: you know, these are maybe quite extreme examples, but I've had a, a person who's come into the ring uh, and afterwards I found out that, that was their first run in agility after life-saving neurosurgery. Oh, wow. Thought, oh. Yeah, exactly. I thought, holy oh. hell. You know. Unexpected. <laughs> the, how privileged was I to be part of that person's return to fitness yeah that's amazing one of the juniors i found so i, I remember i do remember her at the time um because i was thinking you know looks quite inexperienced uh, obviously quite a new handler to agility yeah and somebody messaged me to say i've been on breakfast tv on the monday morning and it transpires this shoot this girl and she, one of my judges seminars um she got the dog because she was she also had to have neurosurgery and she was getting a bit stressed in the anaesthetic room, and the, I think the, the consultor, the anaesthetist, just said to mum and dad, look, say whatever she wants, just keep her calm. She won't remember a thing when she wakes up. And, of course, she was saying, well, can I have a dog? Yes, you can have a dog, darling, no problem.
0: Oh, no, she remembered.
1: Yes. The, I think some, like, the first thing she said when she woke up was, when are we getting the dog? That is brilliant. So it is. And I, you know, choked up a little bit when I saw that on the TV. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but mm. I do remember quite an inexperienced. handler, but you hear So that dog uh, and her relationship with that dog has been part of her recovery. I'm thinking, Ah. yeah, we really don't know half the stuff that goes on.
0: Yeah, no, Um, I suppose you're not thinking about that when you're judging either. You know, everyone's got a different situation. It's like, yeah, I got to be part of that. That's pretty pretty good. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I can see why that's your favourite thing, 100%.
1: Because, you know, people, you know, you think about how, you know, when you've had good events and good results. Yes. You know, you, you might give some acknowledgement to the judge, but... In reality, they've been part of that in your enjoyment of that. So yeah, I'm lucky to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, definitely. So on the other end of that spectrum, (laughs) if if you had to choose a least favourite thing about judging, what would that be? Or the hardest thing? I don't let it
1: affect me. Oh, yes, I do, because I've got something to deal with at the moment. Um, I have let it affect me personally. Uh, I don't tend to on the whole, but I do really, really struggle with dealing with um, social media. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, um it's at the end of the day, we are running around a field with our dogs jumping through hoops. Yes. Right? <laughs> Literally. Not, end of the world. I've used examples in my seminar about, you know, so and so who was, because of a poor decision, lost this event or lost that event. um And if that's your biggest thing to worry about, then aren't you lucky that you don't have something bigger going on in your life?
0: Yeah, that is so, so true. I've
1: struggled um, You know, people not keeping it in perspective, but then also, I suppose on the flip side of that, their perspective is skewed because their life is really hard, and they didn't need their agility at the weekend, which should be their release from that hard life, being a little bit uh, yeah by somebody's. But you know, if you want to joke, if you want to make a comment, that's absolutely fine. But you'll have much more respect for that comment people have much more respect for your comments if you have been in that position yourself so yes and
0: that's social media just people just use it to you know there's always those people that just use it to complain yep.
1: <laughs> or they make suggestions that seem you know of course that seems obvious and that's a great idea here are the practicalities of it and i think that's very yeah. good uh, greg is very good at clarifying that for people you know they make these wonderful suggestions why don't we have diamond tipped polls <laughs> <laughs> yeah if we look at the cost of those diamond tick poles per ring per show yeah it's going to be funding that so the practicalities of really obvious suggestions i think um you know it's very easy to make a flipping comment without but backing it up with considered research i suppose on it
0: yeah i think the scariest part of judging you know i kind of can think of is like i said that you know people being you know nasty about your courses or the backlash <laughs> but I mean, they're gonna. They've got
1: their right to do that. Uh, yeah. I'd Rather they did it to my face and be respectful about it as well. Than um, do it on social media. <laughs> the
0: keyboard warriors. Yes, man. so many of them. Yeah. So, have you? A- I have
1: got. Uh, there's, there's something going on that's. Um, is uh, I'm usually very good at brushing it off, you know, because they, they say for fake well, celebrities and actors, don't read your own reviews because it will never, you'll never feel better. Yeah. Um, Guess that's the kind of thing what I do, but you can't help it, can you? You've got that wobbly tooth, you just have to go and poke it again and see what they've said about it now.
0: Yeah. Curiosity. Yes. So So do you do you you know, have you had that a lot where say, I know judges post um their courses on Facebook after a yeah. show or something like that? Have you ever had people literally comment negative things about about I them?
1: post my courses um just through it's just not something I do. Yeah. Um, if, there is loads of people asking me for courses um, in the run up to Crufts, and they were doing their prep. That's fine. I don't have an issue with that. But it's just not something that habit I've got into. If I maybe I will, I don't know. And as we say, you know, the paper version it could be. So I've there been judges that have put up, on paper looks amazing and looks really run that course, and it was awful because the course building was completely askew. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very aware. I'm very aware of you know that shiny you know what is it? What's that saying? Um Instagram versus reality type. Yes.
0: Uh, yeah. Idea.
1: Of course, I can. I can show you an amazing course that I designed, but I built them very, very different.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that's what people don't see online.
1: Yeah, they you know of course it's very easy to put you know edit everything out, and put the good stuff on. But I just like to keep in mind what reality is often like.
0: Yeah. And I suppose if you put yourself out there in that situation, there's always gonna be, you know, you're always gonna get a bit of hate, I suppose. But overall, it's worth it, I reckon.
1: Yeah, I mean this might be something I do in the future. Um finding the time is one thing, isn't it? Yes, that's it.
0: it. But
1: yeah, I mean and I don't mind, you know, people have their I'm I'm whole very happy to have constructive conversations, even in disagreement. Yeah. Uh, because both all parties have respect for other people's opinion, mm-hmm. which is rarely do I see that on Facebook. It's a novelty if you see a, a conversation on social media that has remained respectful and uh, convivial, and so on between opposing views.
0: Yes, true. And I suppose even if someone's saying bad things about you, at least they're talking about you, right?
1: The <laughs> well, uh, else isn't getting it in the neck, I suppose. I've got yeah. big enough,
0: to
1: take a little bit so exactly.
0: So what is your favorite grade range and height to judge? So do you have a favorite height or you know what is your ideal height and grade? I don't. Um, oh, okay. So, Cuz I
1: suppose if you have a favorite you then have to have a least favorite and I don't have any of those either. True. Uh, yeah, there's there's pros and cons to all heights, there's pros and cons to all grades. Mm. The lower grades tend to be much more polite, much more um, appreciative. Yes. Less... Yeah. On the f- and on the flip side, they can be quite frustrating because they'll be there in the ring for days. Yeah. Uh, quite no, as you said, etiquette. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and get away with. Uh, but on the other end, you can have in the higher grades somebody that treats the ring party like they've just scraped them off the shoe. Yeah. And it's... Uh, What? I mean, there's there's a montage of clips of Usain Bolt when he's in the blocks, or he's he's, so he's gone onto the track and he's stripping off, and he's fist bumping the people that are stood behind him about to carry his basket of clothes. He's getting selfies with them, and I'm thinking, there's the Olympic world and the world champion who is that polite and that at the Olympic final, and you can't even pass your lead politely to the ring party.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they have yeah. to
1: lob it like halfway yeah. across the ring. I me, I'm in the zone. Get over yourself.
0: Yeah,
1: and remember that everybody is human and deserves the same respect.
0: Yeah, if Mo can do it, there's no excuse. <laughs> yeah, not Mo. I was thinking of Mo Farah. It's you say yeah. Bolt, isn't it? But
1: yeah, but yeah, and again, you can be very—it's that humility, isn't
0: it? Yeah. Well,
1: you yeah. are not by a god just because you're in grade seven.
0: Class. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. But like, I suppose. Like, for example, watching Grade 6, 7 or Champ is often, you know, more exciting, say, than watching Grade 1 to 3. So, does you know, does it kind of go faster watching 6, 7? Because you kind of feel like you're more spectating I, or...
1: I suppose the difference is there is... The exciting is diluted a lot in the 1 to 3s. Yeah. There, are, there is still the same level in there, but there is way more of not that level. Yeah. So you will... I don't know, 10% of the dogs go around absolutely on fire could win a class no matter what grade they're in yeah. and I spoke the seven you've only got those dogs so I think that's it's the same when you know people are looking at breeding their dogs and they always look at the dogs in six seven and I've had so many conversations with people don't just look at those dogs because they could be manufactured dogs yeah go and look at dogs in the lower grades and look at the ones with potential that maybe is never going to shine because of their handler that's fine but yeah there is still brilliance to be had in the lower grades you just yeah. don't it's way more diluted, whereas it's it's quite concentrated in the in the higher grades. Yeah, it's not as obvious, I
0: suppose. Yeah. Have you ever, like, um, I suppose you will, like, start off, say, you'll judge some grade one to three, and then maybe a year later, you'll be judging six, seven, and you recognise some dogs that you used to judge when they were sort of in the lower grades. You're like, oh, wow, they're now here, doing it, and, and you sort of see their, their progress.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's one of the good things, and that's one of the things I love about teaching full-time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a corny phrase and it bugs the hell out of me. A journey, I'm on a journey, oh please. Um, but I get, it is very nice to be part of somebody's progression either as their trainer and, you know, you've seen one puppy come into your training and then you've seen them get to whatever and then the, the handler brings their next puppy. So I, that is a very brilliant part of what I do. And yet, yeah, likewise in, in judging. I remember judging, uh, tell you what, Judge Leanne Knight's medium shelty the other week. okay in grades one to whatever a lower mm-hmm. grade uh a new youngster holy hell i'm gonna look forward to seeing him in champ yeah next year. yeah exactly that you've just reminded me of that one yeah you can see brilliant dogs at the lower grades and then you see them achieving what their potential is as well yeah i bet that is very rewarding yes absolutely i and, and i'm glad you reminded me of that mm. not. there's not many because i see so many there's not many dogs that make me go wow um
0: but Leanne's youngster, that medium, black-by-black, black, flipping heck. I'm not sure if I've seen that one, but she does have some great dogs. Yeah,
1: she's a Quick. bloody good, she's a good handler. Absolutely, yeah. That is, if it stays injury-free, because I know one of her dogs, another brilliant dog, she had had a, I think he broke his leg, tragically. Oh, God. Stays injury-free, and she stays in, relatively injury-free. Yeah. that. what, I reckon.
0: Yeah. Have you ever been judging, you know, on the note of injuries, have you ever been judging and witnessed a dog really hurt itself or accidents uh, like that n- or even the handlers
1: yeah uh no because i wasn't there when so-and-so broke his leg i wasn't judging when he broke his leg that wasn't me um i mean dogs have come a cropper and but i've as i tell people on the seminar i will step in and not let them continue for in case they are injured yeah i have seen it when i've been queuing so uh, i saw and heard one dog's hock explode basically oh god <gasps> And it was just one of those horrible accidents. Yeah. He his um, And that's just part of it. And I personally would rather my dog had an injury but got to enjoy the life that he did. Oh, absolutely. You know, never expose him to the the life that he can have because I don't want him picking up an injury. Yeah. Fair compromise for me that with all my dogs. um, Yeah. I mean, I'm not risk mad, but I'm, I'm quite risk averse. But I don't, I wouldn't lie up all night if my dog got injured on an agility course I wouldn't regret it
0: thinking she didn't do it fine well I did a podcast with a physio recently um, and we were saying that how you know our dogs are just as likely to injure themselves out running around on a walk in the woods than they are on course do you know what I mean and often like with Arrow he's had a few injuries over time and it's actually never been on agility touch wood it's always just him throwing himself about on walks and you know you're not going to not walk them are you so 32 years in this game God knows
1: how many dogs I can't remember the number I think what oh two actually i've had, I've had two injuries that I know for sure came from agility,
0: yeah, uh,
1: but there's no you know my dogs have had way more injuries and issues than that, so yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. I think people think, oh, it's really dangerous, blah blah blah, it's unnatural, but actually no, they don't it's not like they're, tra- they're no more likely to injure themselves doing that than anything else.
1: If you train them upright and you strengthen them right, then the unnatural becomes natural to them.
0: So. Yes, and obviously. Safe courses always helps. <laughs> yep, definitely. So back to the um, grade range and height, just yep. out of curiosity, do you do you not find, like, the large grade 6, 7 more stressful to judge than, say, the small ones 3? Nope. Okay. No, I, I genuinely don't. Mm. Uh I'm not, uh, when I was a
1: teacher, results didn't bother me. I'm not interested in your results. I'm interested in your efforts. So I, I would work, I would have as much job satisfaction from working with the A star student who was planning to go to whichever high level university or further education as I got from the E grade student who was working their socks off. Yeah and putting the best effort in, but was only ever going to get an E grade, I got as much satisfaction from both ends
0: of the scale. Yeah. A meant sort of stressful as in worrying about being more likely to potentially miss something or, you know, if, if the uh, large 6.7s are faster or, you know, more yeah, likely but, to miss a running contact or something as far as you, you know, having to get to one side of the ring to the <laughs> other faster. The high tend to be easier to judge because their
1: behaviours are more definite, if that makes sense. Yeah, so if gonna, yeah going to get a good contact and you don't need you don't even need a judge to see that yeah I true. Martin reed, uh, my first champ appointment i did the small mediums dave deville did the intermediate no just larges. then i think it was mm. uh, we used dave's course and martin reed went round and basically dave didn't need to be in the ring all right <laughs> oh, it, it was with spring and there was nothing to judge it was yeah. that good that's quality so yes generally the higher grades it tends to be very easy to judge because it's either so good or mm. it's so off.
0: Yeah, true, and I suppose you may be more likely to like have to give loads of little refusals and stuff in the lower grade. So yeah, it's, it's again,
1: it's more it's the obscure. There's there's nothing as the lower grades don't tend to be as clear in their mistakes.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: hard oh, to catch it. Well, what is that? Is it a refusal or is it something? But I'm not quite sure what it is. Yeah, what, true. And black and white. Pardon the pun with border collies in the <laughs> higher grade.
0: But even then, you said as well. I remember on the seminar about you know if you're going to make a judging decision, as long as you're clear about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So whatever that's all you can do.
1: Challenge you on that. You need to know what you're going to say. What was your reason?
0: Yeah. Mhm.
1: But often that was my interpretation of this rule. Yeah. And live with that. And if the handler is happy at that point, fine. If the handler isn't happy and takes it further, that's also fine. And even if they cannot agree with the handler, that's fine. You've given your reason. <laughs> I lose much sleep over it. I will do whatever the kennel club suggests within reason. You know, so if they tell me that my interpretation is wrong and I need to amend it, if I'm happy to do that, I will. I'm not going to lose sleep on on that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. I suppose, again, that's a bit back to the etiquette, you know, um, portraying yourself confidently, you know, being, being you know, yeah. your strong hand signals, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, what is your best piece of advice for those wanting to get into judging, so if someone's like competing or and 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 wants to do it what what is your best piece of advice for people wanting to start that
1: so have talk to experienced judges, but experience doesn't equal competence so mm. um maybe talk to the championship judges because they have demonstrated competence at some point or another yes, you know they've all been assessed um, and shown to have a bit of an idea um obviously speak to the judges trainers if you're aware of who they are uh speak to some people who you like their courses yes Mm. okay so find that you know if if you can find that i mean a lot of the lower grade people probably don't know anybody from adam and eve uh but if you are thinking about it you're going to be starting to make yourself more familiar with names and more familiar with styles yeah Uh, and if you want to get into judging uh why don't you become like an apprentice to a judge? So kinda mm. through your course design and sit with them or sit at their ring while they start judging and see what they do. Yeah. Um, actually flipping brilliantly. So Lucy Osborne Norton, whatever, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. Um so she did some, what would you call it, training in the ring runs, or course running nights, didn't she, up at um, Skellingthorpe? Yes, yeah. And she had a couple of judges. So she that was a place for her to invite judges who were, so Fiona, my partner, did it before she got judging. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucy with, what's she called? She judged at up this weekend. Bugger, what's she called? Dawn Warnock. Oh, so yeah. Dawn, judging, uh, and Lucy went round with dawn before the class started, and just talked her through what Lucy would do and why she would do it and what she was looking for and I thought that was flipping brilliant,
0: yeah, yeah that's um,
1: good, so, yeah, and so cut your teeth as they say on more uh, less official events like course running evenings, yeah,
0: I did so, one of those for up with Lucy with Ethel in the summer, and um, it was Fiona judging the agility. Uh- and then it was um, Steve Atkinson who was on the same seminar as me, doing the jumping. And I thought he was a judge already, but as well, I saw him do a few um, agility nuts, so you know, independent yeah. shows. And that's why I thought he was already a judge. So he turned up, and I was like, I thought he was already a judge, but no, he j- he just gone, I suppose, to get to get that initial experience. Yeah, I mean,
1: I've heard people say that they've when they've passed the seminar, they're like, yeah, but I don't feel still don't feel confident enough to go out and judge. Mm. Uh, so don't. Yeah. Or, do get invited make sure you're clear on what you will are happy to do half a day jumping only lower grades only although i do think they're harder maybe the mid-range um but get those seek those opportunities of doing it where the stakes aren't quite so high
0: yeah 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 less pressure as well then
1: those course running events because they want to train their dog they don't want to compete with their dog as such
0: yeah 100 percent
1: that bothered if you've made a mistake because yeah. they going to do whatever they wanted to do on that course anyway,
0: yeah, their goal wasn't to win, it was to win yeah. it, so yeah definitely yeah.
1: yeah absolutely get some practical experience when the stakes when the pressure is less, and yeah there are those and this is you know we talked about at the very beginning, how much has it changed over the years absolutely, this is one of the things accessibility as in number of events, location of events, you know back in my day we would have. You more or less did get a show one every weekend, but it wasn't local mm-hmm. and quite easy. So I would go to Shrewsbury. Was at the beginning of May. Then you could do Beacon a week later down in Birmingham. I was living in the northwest at this point, so these were all quite local. Does
0: Beacon st- is Beacon still a thing? I haven't heard of that for ages. Uh, I don't think it is. No, I forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So there was Beacon in May. Mm. Oh, then if you
1: fancied a drive, you could come over to Nottingham at the end of May. But that was a bit of a journey, that was. So you could easily have a couple of weekends between your shows. Whereas now, you could do a show every weekend, probably five minutes from home, for most of us. I get that some people live where that isn't quite so good. But that is one yeah. of the big changes. Not just in terms of cost, but, you know, practical accessibility. Are the events, you know, midweek events. flipping it, there never used to be midweek shows. Or yeah. there was
0: dogs. Well, Dog Sports Derby is Monday, Tuesday, isn't it? And I've never actually, apart from obviously KCI Dogs in Need, but I've I've never come across that before.
1: The week long, but yeah, Laura Dog Sports Derby has been doing, you know, traditional one-day events, but midweek.
0: Yeah.
1: But she has the facilities, and look at the facilities. By the way, look at the facilities that have changed over the 30-odd years I've been
0: in. Oh, God, yeah. No more muddy fields. And the equipment as well. Yeah. Crazy scaffolding planks that's what contacts used to be made
1: out of <laughs> yeah no way i think that's literally where the dimensions have come from I yeah think. I don't quite, but I suppose... you think about it the dog walk is about the width of a scaffolding plank yeah
0: everything's just a posher newer version of that i suppose yep. yep wow the roots of agility
1: oh
0: no and then another thing you were saying at the seminar was how you can get a mentor for um your yeah. you know your first few appointments in an ideal
1: world, uh, you know, as you get your first appointment, you would have somebody on hand before the event to perhaps go over the courses with you. That person, hopefully the same person, would then also be available on the day to hold your hand a little bit and to give you some feedback on it. On uh, but in the real world, those people are volunteers. Um, so what actually happens when we're looking for mentors is if you notify the Kennel Club to say that you've got these judging appointments, they then send out an email to firstly the judges trainers. Mm-hmm. Adam I and is so going to do their first show. At these places, can anybody go? And there's, like I say, there's 10 of us, so the likelihood of somebody being available is quite low.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: As far as I'm aware, the next thing the kennel club will do is go, okay, can't get a trainer, but what about any of the championship judges? Because, again, they've demonstrated some sort of competence. Um, but, again, there's probably only, what,
0: 40 of us? 40 champ judges, yeah. maybe? Yeah, so the um, likelihood of you being free on that very day.
1: <laughs> and also, available. yeah, so not only am I going to be at the show, but am I going to want to do... because it You know, I have a lot of caps to wear. So sometimes at an agility show, I'm only going to take my competitor's cap. Yeah. I do not want to be a trainer. I do not want to be a judge's trainer. And so it's just, and this is one of the big things about UK Agility. We're a victim of our own success. We're too popular, not too popular. We're very popular because we're so accessible and inclusive. Mm. uh, And that has practical complications. So you can't get a mentor. People say oh, I've I've got a mentor in so and so, and I see who so and so is, and I'm oh god no please yeah. uh, but you know, social media does make people more accessible, so there's nothing to stop you putting up a shout saying I need can somebody mentor me or, you know, we don't do it publicly, but me- private message somebody that you do know or can get access to and say so and so has agreed to mentor me. Do you think that's a good idea? Yeah, because so and so might not appreciate what is involved. Uh, yeah. Mentoring about saying, well done, keep going.
0: Yeah, I suppose no mentor is better than a terrible one.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, very good. A I say that in dog training. And I would rather see something avoided than done badly.
0: Yeah, exactly. That is so true. Absolutely good. Yeah,
1: so uh, ideally we can get those, but there's nothing, you know, there really shouldn't be a barrier. So I've had, what well, you've sent me courses. I'm just looking through the mm-hmm. files we've had in our message conversation. I've got four or five courses there already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Somebody that I put through the course last year in Dublin, she sent me a load of courses this week. Mm -hmm. And it's so much easier to just quickly back and forth, go over those courses. Obviously, it doesn't help on the day, but I think the main thing that people want mentoring for is their course design.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because as well, it gives you more confidence thinking, well, this person who is a really good judge and has a really good reputation said my course is safe and suitable. So that's it really, you don't have to
1: worry down quite close to what it looked like on paper yeah
0: yeah exactly
1: yeah so but yeah there's really no i would say there's really not a lot not a huge number of excuses that you couldn't have got advice from somebody who was in a better position to give advice
0: yeah yeah definitely so what is your best piece of advice for someone attending their first judging appointment so the last one was getting into judging so if someone is about to go to their first judging appointment yeah
1: um so, attending there for, well, hopefully they've had somebody go over their courses with them. Yes. <laughs> and, and hopefully they've, and also maybe help, try and get some help in getting that course built. Because designing a course is one thing, building a course is another, unless yeah. you're doing the, um, what do we call it, coordinates. Mm-hmm. Then, rings aren't always square. I mean, if you've ever prepared a showground for a show, it's it's a lot harder than it looks. yeah. So everybody's doing their best. So definitely, hopefully, you've had your courses reviewed and you've had discussions around those. Um, Get there early. If you're not there the night before, then get there early because the last thing you want to be doing is trying to build your course when there's a crowd gathering. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So make it, you know, do whatever makes your day as easy as possible or as less stressful as possible. So get there early. You You might not have got a good night's sleep, but you've certainly tried to get a good night's sleep. Yeah. You know. Not go and judge your first appointment steaming from the night before. Oh, God. <laughs> you just that terrible, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and give it, do your best. Yeah. Mm. It, do, refresh, read that rule book the night before, rehearse the hand signal,
0: and do your best. And another thing you said about. um, So, one thing I was going to say was when you obviously go to set up your course, say in the morning of the show you're judging at, um, does. You know, I'm assuming you just walk around with your course plan, and you you know the ring party will bring you the equipment, put it where put it where you want it to be. Do you get what I mean? Like it is a, it's a joint effort.
1: It is, yeah. In, I tend, to, I, I've talked about, it, not. Uh, I if judges, if shows ask me for um, my course plan, I I will send it, but I, I'm now erring on the side of don't build it for me because it won't, it probably won't be accurate enough, and I'll spend four times as long tweaking it. Than if I was building it from scratch myself.
0: Oh, do they sometimes build it for you before you oh, get yeah. there?
1: Oh, They'll pull out for you, and then uh, you come and tweak it. Oh, okay. I did give my course plan to North Derbyshire judged Champ last year with a smaller medium. Uh, Hannah messaged me for it, and there was a bit of a that was it. It was a bit of a cock-up because it was the weekend the Queen died, and we didn't know whether we were going. Oh yeah. Uh, and by the time it was decided that the show was on, I couldn't be face turning my caravan, so I, I decided to just day trip it. Mm. I of course, to Hannah, but I said to her, put it out according to the coordinates and I have got the smarter agility to put the coordinates of each piece of equipment on. And when I got there, bless her, I got there at early o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning or something, I had very little to do. Oh, wow. So, coordinates is definitely the way to go, I would say. Mm-hmm. Give Amanda Luckman all the credit for that. That's what they do at the major events. So, if you see at the World Championships, they, do they have to they put a huge, big measured tape top to bottom and side to side with the... Zero zero in the centre of the the ring, yeah, and the route from the centre of those two tapes mm-hmm. and play according to the coordinates on the course plan. You know, in theory, that can't go wrong. Then, but yeah, re- reality rings are British shows aren't always square.
0: Yes, like dog sports derby, nice big long rectangle. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean at least you always know the size of it because it's always the same.
1: <laughs> it is, uh, and uh, you know, Laura burrito over ogilvy they've done a phenomenal thing getting those uh venues established mm. hope they're, the, they're the first of you know, certainly not cheap by any means and certainly not through you know it is hard work what they've managed to do hopefully it's others will follow suit and we can get our yeah. venues up a more professional level mm. but we've done all right so far so we shouldn't yeah. necessarily...
0: and then another thing i remember you saying at the seminar was um you know, people were stressing about thinking, "Oh, do I have to remember all the, you know, all the lengths of all the jumps and stuff like that?" And then you said something about writing them on the back of a tape measure, which I thought was a good idea. So some yeah, somebody, somebody said I think, and I think that might have been Andrew Dicker. Mm. Uh,
1: Nigel Rudd has also got it on the back of one of his tape measures. Uh, so you could write, you could mark a little line on the back of the tape measure. Um, somebody produced on one of the Facebook pages a uh, crib you know, a little uh, table with the all the measurements on, and I took a screenshot of that, and that now lives on my phone. So if yeah. you see me on my phone when I'm walking my course, I'm not necessarily answering a text or anything. I am checking what length the long jump is. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, or you can have a, uh, well, uh, first
0: contact at Crufts. They had a, a piece of wood with measurements for the long jump marked on them and things mm. like that. But I suppose if the ring party is setting it up for you, then you don't really need to think about that, but...
1: Well, no. You should still be measuring things like your spreads and your long jumps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most of our tires in the UK they have set heights. Mm-hmm. So, in the same way, you have a set height for the jump. But if some of the uh, so Gallican tire, it can be adjusted up to any height. So you would, I would be double checking that myself.
0: Yeah, okay. I don't want it. Yeah. Don't want it back to seventy-five centimeters.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's on the line if something isn't correct. So I would rather
0: that. Yeah. No, definitely. Well, that's very helpful for my first judging appointment. Yes, I'm, not, I'm looking forward to it, to be fair. I'm not really sure what time to get there, though. So what time would you suggest people like get there in the morning? Because I, I won't be able to stay the night before. What time's it? It'll be the usual um, starts at 8.30, walks at 8 or whatever yes. it is.
1: If it was me, my first show, I'd probably be getting there for just after 7.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, solid hour, I suppose that's... Plenty. I mean,
1: Laura, just check, message Laura. is open up. Um, yeah. But, uh, and uh, Sarah Humphries is often there. They will help you no end. Yeah. But my own piece of my... I'm one of those people that hates being late, so I'm always going to be early. Yeah. Uh, I would rather than be sitting in my car having a cup of coffee for 20, 30 minutes.
0: Yeah, same. Knowing,
1: knowing it's all done. And yeah. not having cause When people start coming through that door, it feels even more intimidating to be yeah. building to Do whatevers.
0: Yeah, and people get impatient, don't they? Oh yeah. There's nothing worse than rushing, no matter what you're doing. It's horrible. I'm not. Yep. I'm not one to enjoy rushing around. So yeah, I get there nice and early. Go to bed yep. nice and early the night before. Be alright.
1: the <laughs> so best. Do what makes the day least gives you less stress. Yes. And if less stress is through an early night and an early start, then fine.
0: Another thing you said was about not every judge takes like a break in the middle of the day, like for lunch. You know, some rings will break for lunch for an hour. Some just don't bother. I mean, if you, I do with me. Mm. Um, if I've got the so dogs, so if you're leaving
1: home, then maybe have a short.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because everybody, usually, most people are happy to get away earlier.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, that's very true. I suppose you don't want to be finishing at eight pm, but at the same time, it'd be nice to have a little bit of a sit down, something to yeah. eat. <laughs> I mean,
1: have time between when people are walking courses and that but that would still only be maybe 10 minutes yeah so
0: if you want a 20 minute half an hour lunch do that have yeah a straight, have a... i suppose you're in charge aren't you as the judge <laughs>
1: <laughs> i suppose i would advocate for the having a longer break because you need to let your brain switch off
0: yeah that's it i and suppose... need to do
1: a bit charge on the brain so get out of the ring go and get some sunshine if it's nice weather mm. have a check on your phone do something that lets you just switch off from the agility and then five minutes before you do to start get back in get focused
0: yeah i suppose you can get a bit complacent as well like naturally if you're doing the same you know with the repetitiveness of it
1: i would say it's very easy to get caught in this you know people always say this Well, my dog gets stuck in a pattern bugs the hell out of me because everybody's dog gets stuck in a pattern yeah Um, uh, but it's very easy for the mind to get um fixed yeah Mm. and I, i know certainly i've been judging and it's been Let's say I've had six dogs one after the other all been getting eliminated, and then the seventh dog comes up and halfway through the ring you're thinking, Oh crap, he's not eliminated. Cause yeah. Your brain is... yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, you need to do, you know, in the same way when they when we when I teach microscopes at, at work, college, you know, I do say it's every few minutes you need to look up from the microscope and focus your eyes on the distance so that your eyes get relaxed and, and same with the brain. Yeah, However, definitely. Need to switch that, stop focusing on what you're doing, I'll focus on something completely different and then go back to it and you'll be refreshed.
0: Mm. I suppose That's... it's more mentally tiring than physically, but I mean, you yeah. probably still get um, a nice, decent amount of steps in during a day of judging, but.
1: <laughs> it, whatever, your smartwatch and clock that up, definitely. Yeah. But yeah. It's nice to sit at the end of it and just go, and I'm done.
0: Yeah. I but... can imagine. Well, that is all of the questions. that went well well. cool thank you very much that was great thank you so there you have it there was my conversation with Nick Jones all about judging I learned so much from that conversation and it was super interesting and fun to talk to Nick so thank you again so much Nick for coming on the podcast and recording that episode with me and before I say bye to you guys um, I would just like to remind you to follow me on all the socials I'll put them here on the screen on YouTube and down below in the description on apple podcast and spotify so follow along i'm active on those every single day make sure you follow in the podcast so you don't miss another single episode and if you could please leave a nice generous rating or review on apple podcasts and or spotify that would mean the absolute world to me and with that i will see you all next wednesday and don't forget to keep giving me your feedback and more episode and guest ideas for the future Thank you all to my listeners um, for watching these episodes. I'm having a great time with the podcast, and I appreciate all of you. Bye.